If there's ever a time where we needed to pull together as believers of Christ and, and unite and try to strengthen and make the world a better place, it's now. Mm-hmm. And that, that sounds like he's yeah. preaching our message. <laughs> there's one body, one church, one spirit, one hope. The realities of the faith, the ra- realities that unify us are already there. Christ praying for unity. What should we be praying for? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's the one prayer request of Jesus. Think about it in the Bible that we actually have a say in whether or not it comes to fruition or not. I think in what God has done in you guys in uh, in this podcast and the, the multitude of folks that you're reaching, the diversity, whatever God intended when he's, when you started this, he's able to bring it to completion. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Whole Church Podcast. This is one of your co-hosts, Joshua Knoll, here with your other co-host, TJ Tiberius on Blackwell. Hello. And also with I, I can't even begin to announce him the way I would like to. It's uh, Pastor Martin, Brother Martin. I call him Pep. There's a long story behind it that starts with me as a kid and him being my pastor and me thinking that his name is Pastor. And um, I won't give you the whole story. Just know that if I say Pep, I'm talking about Brother Martin. <laughs> um, <laughs> man, I, I don't even know how to tell you guys. He has been one of my pastors other than my dad, he is probably the man I respect more than anybody else on this planet. You know, I haven't been to any other planet, so there, there might be some cool people <laughs> on Mars. We don't know yet. But, man, I, I, I just, you guys, you should be applauding. Hopefully you are. Uh, we're going for a fantastic episode. We're going to ask him some about uh, just the church as it goes forward after coronavirus and some of what he's done in his life. So we're kind of excited to hear about that. Uh, before we do... I did want to review some of what our listeners have said on Facebook uh, when we asked the silly question of if you were preparing for battle and used had to use only fruits and veggies to arm yourself, how would you do it? We we had a lot of good answers. Um, Someone mentioned forming a shank out of a corn cob. I thought that was brilliant. But the answer I want to share with you guys is from Diana, who... um, I want y'all to know that she is she's a nice older lady who listens to the podcast. We really appreciate her. I want y'all to have that image as I read this, though. She says, preparing for battle, all citrus. The pineapple can be catapulted as is. The smaller fruits can be rolled to release the juice from the pits and then catapulted. Talk about sticky and woe to you who have paper cuts. Insert evil laugh here. Writes out, insert evil laugh. So I just, you know, just imagining that. Now that was fantastic. Uh, And now on to today's silly question. I fashioned this personally as I grew up watching Disney movies with uh, my godfather, Pep. And um, we want to ask, who is your favorite? And we'll go old school. Who is your favorite tertiary Disney and I'll say or Pixar? character. So it can't be a main character or a secondary character. Basically a character that's been in like three or less scenes. Favorite Disney. Three or and, uh, less? We'll answer first. Okay. We'll answer first. Give you time to think about it. Yeah, I know it's it's kind of difficult. Uh, TJ, did you want me to go first or you want to go first? Uh, you can go first. All right. Uh, it, it's character or characters. So I will say the other bears and brother bear, when they have that scene, they go to the um, like the waterfall where the pool is there. And all the other bears are there and they're showing like great family value and all being together and having a good time. And there's something just especially joyful about that moment. I, I was I was going to say one of the other gods from Hercules because I love Hercules. But I got to say that moment is just particularly spectacular. Phil Collins number during the moment mo- during that scene. Also great. So I'm going to go with the other bears. 
from Brother Bear. All right. DJ. This is this is a hard question because Yeah. A lot my favorite Disney movie uh, is Treasure Planet. It doesn't really it barely has tertiary characters. Yeah. It has I would I would say it has one. Uh and maybe mm. you could include the crew. But uh, you know, none of those really fit in my <laughs> eyes. So I'm going to I'm going to pick the muses from Hercules cuz they if anything counts, yeah. they count. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That, those are they're also great. They really are. I just I just love the bears, man. All right. Uh Pep, favorite well, tertiary Disney character. Well, I know it's rough. It is rough. Maybe because... Nathaniel might be able to help you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wish he could. <laughs> um, you know, I really don't know because I don't know if it's a main character or not. I don't know Jack and the Beanstalk with uh, um, with uh, Mickey Mouse being the uh, uh, tailor, and as he that's how he, he helps capture the giant. And so I don't know if the giant would actually be a, uh, a main character or not in that because he's not in that many scenes. But anyway, that's kind of what I'm thinking about. First, when I thought I about this, I, I was thinking about main characters like, <laughs> you know, uh, something like you know, that. I'm sure he's been a tertiary character in I'm, some I'm, Disney movie. I'm sure he has. <laughs> he had to be, right? All right. I think Mickey Mouse would have counted in the Goofy movie. He well, you know, I was thinking about that too. I thought I'd say Mickey. Oh, boy. <laughs> you know, because we just, you know, without him, it wouldn't all begin, you know, so. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Great stuff. All right. Uh, so, you know, to get into the actual show, uh, one thing that we found extremely useful for establishing church unity is to hear people's stories. Uh, would you mind sharing your testimony with us and our listeners? Well, the Lord's been really good to me, TJ. And first, I want to say thank you and thank Joshua for allowing me to be a part of this. And I'm hoping I can be an inspiration to say something, encourage people. Um, my life, wow, to sum it up, I am no doubt a miracle. I know of at least a dozen times that I'm supposed to be dead, but God said otherwise. I mean, even at the point of before I was born, the doctors had told my dad that my mom would leave the hospital uh, without a child or the child will leave a hospital without a mom. And, uh, my mom, she'll be 84. Actually, she just turned 84 in December. And so I'll be 62 next month, a month from today, actually. And so from that get go, just from that as my story, I know that God had something great in store for my life. And, uh, born in West Virginia, raised for the first decade of my life in Ohio on the farms, uh, dairy farming and working. I learned to work ethics at a very young age and then moved back to West Virginia and uh, where I remained until I graduated from high school. And then I uh, came to South Carolina, South Carolina in May of 78, uh, May the 21st, met my wife. And then uh, we married April the 7th, 1979, and uh, pretty much did most of the ministry I've done there. I began preaching as a little boy, but really accepted a call to preach as about 12 or 13 and I started preaching, held my first revival at 13 years old, and uh, I was scheduled to go a wow. weekend, and we went uh, we went a week and a half to two weeks, and uh, it was just an amazing thing of God. And uh, one of the revivals that God introduced me to here in South Carolina in January of 79, came to a little place called Winsboro with Jimmy Crosby, the pastor there, and we held a three-week revival, and 52 people 
came to know the Lord and uh, other experiences. So it was just a powerful time. And I give God all the glory. And I've tried to do that all my life. Um, so that's kind of a background story, a little bit starting in ministry. Um, I uh, actually received my licensing in 1979 under Brother uh, Hubert Vickers uh, in the state here in South Carolina. And then uh, um, preached. I've been preaching. Matter of fact, I told my wife uh, in a couple of years, I'll be celebrating 50 years of ministry. I've been preaching and I'm still a young man and I still got a long way to go. At uh, age of 27, had a serious car accident and nearly took my life. Again, that's just one of the dozen times I could tell you about. But the Lord really richly uh, spared my life there. And it was a hundred mile an hour impact. I was doing 50 and the girl, other girl was doing 50, ran a stop sign and I hit her head on and uh, crushed both of my legs, my left arm, uh, broke the gear shift off with my right arm, uh, splitting my right arm and then uh, messing my right shoulder, dislocating it, uh, busted my right ankle. And so they didn't promise me I'd ever walk again. They said, matter of fact, I never would. And if, if by some chance I ever did, I never walked normal. And so that's been 30 some years ago. That was in uh, uh, April of 86. And I've had 20 surgeries since then uh, due to the accident. And uh, uh, but God has just richly blessed me. I still wrestle with the grandkids, play ball, go walking, ride bicycles, <laughs> uh, do what I want to do by the help of the Lord. And uh, I know he is faithful. I've seen him work miracle after miracle after miracle. And uh, so I am who I am by the grace of God and my sufficiency is of him. And I can't take any credit if I've touched people's lives and made a difference in their lives. It's all because of him. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. And some. And yeah, we, we've had it, Hopefully our listeners are familiar with your name. Even, you know, we've had several episodes where different pastors or different people mention just the impact that your ministry has had on them. You know, I, I've mentioned it a few times and, um, man, you, you've had such a crazy journey. I, I remember telling you the other week I was, when I was a kid, I thought it was just a normal thing adults could do to have a one, just a one handed up against the wall, handstand push up. And now that I'm 29, I'm like, wow, that's, um, that just seems unreal to me that, that you can do that after, you know, especially, you know, being through a car accident myself, it's like, wow, how, how does he do that? Man, right. So he's just, just crazy. Um, well, we do want to ask just kind of, um, I know, I know we asked generically about your story, but, uh, specifically, could you tell us about your story in ministry and how your ministry has developed? Well, God's placed me in the right path with right people, right place, right timing, and people who, uh, um, again, we if we ever take um, and boast of anything, we're standing on someone else's shoulders. It's the people who've come before me. Um, they've, man, I, I look back over my ministry and I think of different ones. Uh, Brother Roy Suggs is one of those. Uh, Brother Howard Steen, who the Lord just graciously ministered as a, a miraculous touch to, and not only them but others that God has just placed in my life <clears throat> that gave me uh, opportunity. Ken Baker, uh, man, Brother Baker gave me great opportunity to, to uh, I couldn't preach my way out of a wet paper bag, but yet they'd let me in the pulpit <laughs> and they were gracious to me and they were, they were patient with me and they loved me through. And they, um, they just led, you know, Brother Fisher, Bishop Fisher is one, Brother Fred, Fred Fisher. Uh, he loves me to death. I love him to death. He's been very gracious and kind and, and they've mentored me, and I could, man, I could spend a long time just telling you the names. So that ministry, and it didn't start out. I mean, a lot of times when you start out as a young minister, 
you know, people aren't confident in you and they want to, you're not sure about you. And uh, um, the Lord, for some reason, brought me from West Virginia to South Carolina for me to be able to broaden that ministry and grow. I uh, pastored my first church um, at 16. And uh, uh, the pastor there had left and they needed someone to fill in. So I took the church to pastor it. And uh, um, probably about after six months or so, I talked to the overseer then and I said, listen, um, I don't know that pastoring is where I'm supposed to be right now. I'm just young and I want to be able to minister <laughs> and run revivals. And so I've been pretty much doing that in 50 years, almost 50 years of ministry, 47 and a half or so. Um, I've spent probably 20, 35 35 of those years to 37 of those years in pastoring and the rest in evangelism. Uh, the kids travel with us as far as evangelism goes, and they've just been a great blessing in my life and inspired me very much so and encouraged me. And uh, a lot of my schooling has been on uh, from uh, um, School of Hard Knocks, and I have, more <laughs> I have more neology than I do theology. And I think we've got too much <laughs> theology in the church. Personally, we need more neology. And uh, people have poured into me. I've done courses and studies, and and uh, I've got a stack of questions, probably about uh, two feet deep, uh, of papers that I have to finish. When I finish those questionnaires and send them in, I'll be able to start on a, on a master's. So, uh, um, still trying to pursue education as I can, even at sixty, uh, uh, sixty-one. But that's not my main priority. I'm pursuing him. I mean, All I right. forget that you turned sixty already. Yeah, dude, it's tough. <laughs> wow. So, uh, you mentioned it, and we've had a few other guests from previous episodes mention it even. Uh, you spent a long time as an evangelist. Uh, for those who don't know, could you explain what that means and what it was like doing that work? Well, to quote my daughter, Brittany, when she was in uh, uh, first grade, I believe it was, we had a parent-teacher conference with him, with her, and... Uh, Brittany had drew a picture of a camper and a, a truck and a church with a cross on it. And so the teacher was asking Brittany, she said, now, what is this? She said, this is what we used to do before we moved here. And that was in Alexandria, Virginia, before we moved here. <laughs> and she said, uh, well, what what did you do? She said, my mom, my dad used to vandalize churches. So <laughs> and I said well, I think she meant evangelize churches. <laughs> I don't know. I know how y'all can be. Oh, I'm telling you what's true. Well as an evangelist it was to bring um just encouragement to the people. A revival in the pews, revival in the community. We would go out and just uh I'd play football with the guys, uh basketball, anywhere I could just get the young people, you know, kind of hooked to say, hey, uh, by the way, I played ball with you for the past six hours. If you wouldn't mind coming to church for two hours tonight, I sure would love to have you. And matter of fact, there's been several ministers, some who've gone on to be with the Lord, who would tell me later on that they came to revival services and got saved because they thought it was so cool that an evangelist would come and box with them. I, I carried boxing gloves in the car. Uh, we would box, <laughs> uh, play ball, and do whatever it took, you know, for the gospel. But to go in and do a series of meetings. Now, for us, my wife and I, uh, we, in our travels, uh, we've, man, I don't know, probably 15 states or so, 15 to 20 states we traveled. Um, we would, we would have services each night, uh, and, um, up into probably 20, sometimes 25 to 28 services a month, we would be in revival. And then we would like close it on a Saturday night, travel, set up on Sunday, be there Sunday morning for the service to begin. 
And if we were fortunate, we could get off on a Friday night and have Saturday to travel. But most of the time, it was from one place to the other, just hitting the ground running wide open. Mm. And my wife was so gracious and kind, y'all, that through all of this, uh, um, there was a time when she was working due to my accident and uh, in ministry. And she was working and she would go and I would sit up with her after revival services and she would work from from uh, 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. And then she got her shift changed to where she would work actually later on and I'd stay with her and she would work. But we did that and we were in revival services, ministering to the pastors and their families, encouraging them, uh, going to the hospital, seeing people and then uh, conducting uh, services at night. Like I said, preaching to encourage the church, but also to win the lost. Mm-hmm. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Uh, so you're pretty well known in our organization, uh, COGOP. Uh, what would you say makes the Church of God of Prophecy so special? To be honest with you, first thing comes to my mind, and it's what I've heard all my ministry. And I've had ministers say this that have come from other organizations or people who've gotten saved. They're looking. It's what I've looked for all my life. I've looked for a group of people who love like you love. And I think to, to me, the, the love that the church displayed, the fellowship and the love, um, that's always been key, man. When I start having memories of going back into my childhood, and I remember the times where people would just uh, fellowship and the love they shown, they were just encouragers. They, they were there for one another and still are. And that's to me, that's what makes the church, the body of Christ, is this organization as valuable to me. Is because of the love of the people. Matter of fact, uh, during the course of my incident with the accident I had, there were people that would, would, would tell us, man, we prayed for you when we found out you had had this uh, life-threatening, almost, I mean, near-death accident. We pushed our plates back. We prayed and fasted for you. People would send offerings, love offerings, honorariums to our house and, and, and through the mail and say, we know it's a tough time for you guys, and we just want to let you know we love you. And so... Uh, um, I was talking about Roy Suggs earlier, who's going on to be with the Lord Bishop Suggs. It would never fail every state convention. He would meet me in the hall. We'd be walking around. He'd shake my hand. He'd say, Brother Martin, how you been doing, son? I said, I'm doing good. And he would slip me a $20 bill and say, take your wife out and get her some dinner. You, you guys, she deserves that and you need that. So people like that, that Man. love, that encouragement. TJ, that's awesome. Awesome. Praise God. Praise yeah. God. Yeah. And that's... um. It's interesting because you know you know you hear a lot of different perspectives growing up and stuff, and I know um, a lot of other young ministers. Sometimes it's easy to look at the fact that you know our organization is mostly smaller churches and feel like, man, I wish I was in you know Church of God or Assemblies, you know, one of those that have bigger church, bigger churches. You're like, you know, that's nice. But then you know, as I've looked at it and observed it, it's what you said, right? You know, we're because we're smaller churches. I feel like we're much closer. Yes, you know. And then when we have our big gatherings together, like camp and conferences and stuff, everybody is just so excited to see each other. And it's, uh, yeah, I think that really rings true for hopefully a lot of people listening who's a part of the Church of God of Prophecy. You're like, yeah, yeah, that's it. <laughs> oh, I tell you, it's like you're talking about the conventions and assemblies. I can meet people from across the water, my brothers and sisters. And we fellowship oh, yeah. like, just like we've known each other all of our lives. And we hang out and go out to eat and we worship side by side in the service. And it's like no strangers. It's just beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. No, there's, um, it, it's so funny too. Cause you, I could harp on that. I, I probably shouldn't, but <laughs> we, we did want to ask you, um, with that, you know, as, as special as our church is, do you think there's any specific challenges that the church of God of prophecy faces when it comes to overall church unity? I think it's no different than any other church. 
to be honest with you guys, uh, as far as the challenges, of course, with this COVID stuff, it's great challenges right now, uh, hindering unity, yeah. uh, you know, union, well, if not, if not unity. But, uh, I think culturally, uh, there's a battle going on socially. There's a battle going on and it's a battle for, uh, disunity. It's a battle to divide. Um, I believe it is, it's fueled, fueled by the adversary who comes to steal, kill and destroy, who's behind all of this. People t- keep talking about uh, the virus and who's behind it and who's behind it. Hey, the, the, the Satan's behind it, no doubt about it, because he comes to kill, steal, and destroy. So I think the challenges are for us to not allow the culture, not allow society to form our views of what unity really should be. And I, that's the challenge to me. The battle we have right now is... And this is what I tell our people at Somerville Family Worship Center. It's what I tell our church all the time and other people and encourage our young pastors. Listen, you got to meet people where they are and love people. You know, love and hate. Neither one know. Uh, they have no boundaries, no limits. Uh, they know no color. So, you know, it's if you can love someone or hate someone, you make the choice. And it's not based on religious beliefs. It's not based on their color of their skin. It's not, no, it's just the enemy planting a seed of prejudice or the enemy planting a seed of hate. Um, someone hurts you, so everybody's bad now because they hurt you. And uh, so I think to me that's the challenge we have as a body of Christ right now is that we need to focus on the Lord and keep people, say, hey, we are bone of bone, flesh of flesh. We are the body of Christ, and we are laborers together with him. And we need to let his love supersede our thoughts, our feelings, our emotions. And uh, to me that's, that's the greatest thing challenging our unity today. Amen. Amen. Good word. Right. You know, I've heard, I'm sure a lot of people have heard, you know, the whole love conquers all, love's bigger than all this stuff. And I don't know if I've ever heard someone also put in perspective that, yeah, hate doesn't have boundaries either. And then, you know, I think that's a good thing to be aware of. You know, you got to recognize what the enemy is. And in this case, hate is the enemy, right? Not yes. the people. Yes. Our enemy isn't peoples and persons. It's the principalities of darkness of this world, right? Exactly. Hey guys, we just wanted to take a quick break to tell you a few of the ways you can support us, the Whole Church Podcast, your favorite Church Unity podcast. Yeah, so you can follow us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash the Whole Church Podcast. You can subscribe to our show wherever great podcasts are found. You can rate this show on Apple Podcasts or Podchaser. You can sign up for our newsletter by going to our website or by emailing us at thewholechurch at gmail.com. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. You can share this episode on your own social media, or you can donate to our cash app using the tag that's in the show notes. Especially that last one. It's a great way to contribute if you don't want to be burdened by like a monthly payment, or if you just want us to get all of the money uh, with no middleman at all. Patreon is already really good at that, but if you don't necessarily need the rewards you get from supporting us on Patreon, then cash app's the way to go. There's a lot of needs with the show, and uh, you guys really are the only way we're able to keep this going, so thank you. Thanks. Uh, So you mentioned the COVID-19 pandemic, and as vaccines are starting to get rolled out uh, across the country, uh, many are looking to what the world will be like after the pandemic, you know, when everyone's vaccinated. Uh, What do you foresee for the church? Uh, Will there be many changes, or do you think we'll just go back to the status quo and just keep going how we were going before? 
Well, the um, I'll give you the positive and negative, okay? I'm a very <laughs> positive guy. I would not have made it where I'm at and not have the attitude and the spirit I have if I'd have been gloom, despair, and agony on me kind of guy. When the doctors told me mm-hmm. I'd never walk, I'd give up. But no, I said, oh, I will by the grace of God. And I pushed and pushed and pushed until I excelled by the power of the Holy Spirit to do that. And I can't take credit for that, but God just smiled on me. And I have pushed myself ever since. Every day I get up, I snap, crackle, pop. I bring my body into alignment, <laughs> literally, and into subjection and say, we're going to tighten up. So the positive side of me tells would tell you, man, I'm looking for the church to have revival. I know I was just, just the other day watching the uh, autobiography of the life of Fanny Crosby, and they talked about the Asian uh, cholera that hit in Europe and came across the water in the first place it hit, causing thousands of deaths, was in the city of New York. And they said right after that, then the, in the 18, late 1840s, 1850s, right after the cholera epidemic had happened, they said people were, were thankful that they didn't die. Others were overwhelmed because they had lost children or spouses, that it, a mighty revival, a move of God broke out. And people were in churches all the time and people were praying through. So the positive side of me sees revival. I see revival is coming. I see it's going to help us. I don't believe we'll go back to status quo. I believe it's been a great challenge. Just as persecution in Jerusalem held the feet of the church to the fire to cause them to move and do what Christ said they were going to do is be witnesses in all the world, not just in Jerusalem. So the persecution that was trying to stamp out the fire caused the sparks to spring over here and over there, and they fled to different places. I believe this pandemic will have no different effect I believe it will cause the spread of not fear, but a spread of reverence, reverential fear and awe of God and his goodness and his mercy and his grace and his love. And I see see revival. The other side of that, the negative side is, is I would love to sit here and tell you, you know, hey, I feel like we've got years ahead of us and the church is going to do phenomenal great things. And I believe we will. But I do also believe that we're living in challenging times. And I don't know that we'll have the liberties to even do what we're doing today if if powers that be have their way. When churches are being closed and pastors are being arrested, and when you can't voice truth or even your view of truth, uh, if it's different than someone else's, it's offensive. And uh, so that's going to be even a greater challenge than the virus, than COVID-19. The greater challenge is, are we going to allow, are we going to allow the adversary to box us in and paint us in a corner as the body of Christ, or are we just going to share the gospel? Come what may. I mean, I've had people in my church, missionaries in my church, who we can't show the scenes they show because church is underground. It's in secret. And they're singing the songs, let me die for you, Jesus. Oh, come quickly, Lord. Let me be a martyr for the gospel's sake. And I'm thinking, boy, we don't sing that song in America. Bless, God bless America. Help us, Lord, to prosper. So uh, I don't know if I've really answered what you're asking, but that's just what I feel the direction we're going. And it's a good direction. Facebook, live, streaming, uh, the, the podcast, the challenges that has been brought to us, the separation's not been good, but then the diversity of getting the gospel out has been amazing. And we're able to reach thousands instead of a handful. So I hope we don't go back to that status quo of that. That's us four no more, and we're happy with that. No, I'd rather... Hope mm-hmm. that we can reach people for for Christ. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, 
That's and, awesome. Um, yeah. So along those lines, um, what what challenges do you, do you see for um, you know, ministers like yourself and you know, other pastors, young ministers, you know, whoever, as we move forward and we're trying to both use this Facebook Live and all these internet things that we're discovering, and also trying to meet in person. At, what challenges are there in moving forward in both directions? Well, in both directions of that, you, you know, like me, you, you, <laughs> it dr- drug me <laughs> into the 21st century, man. I'm, I, my wife has to help me get set up on this stuff. I look to Luke or Stephen or like you, you mentioned Nathaniel earlier, Nathaniel, even at his age, you know, 12, uh, I want to have to sit down with and say, hey, can you help me do this? Can you show me? They know more about it than I'll ever know. <clears throat> They'll forget more than I'll ever learn, to be honest. But it's been a good challenge for me. And so on that side of it, a lot of other pastors aren't patient. A lot of other pastors, they're not textbook savvy in this stuff to even look to study or or, or uh, technologically apt to do it. And so they, they don't have the funds. They don't have the means. They don't have the, the clientele, the people, the staff. And so they'll get left in the wake. And that's the sad thing to me about it. That's, that hurts me. That is sad. And the other part, though, is if, if we – man – I got to say this with wisdom because I don't know that we should buy in on the lie that we're being fed. I don't believe it's as bad as it's being promoted and and this uh, this socialistic liberalist thinking of you know, hiding us away and and don't be afraid and fear and that's one of the tactics of the enemy. One of the greatest tools of weaponry is to strike fear in the heart of your opponent. And what we've got to do is rise above that fear and say it's time to get back to the place where we're going to be comfortable coming back together. That we're going to be able to get back in the same building. We're going to be able to fellowship one with another and not be behind a mask all the time afraid. We can't live in fear like that. Yeah. And so that's, that's a challenge coming back because this pandemic has yeah. spoiled some folks, scared some folks. Some some people, they're just never going to get back into the swing of it. They love having coffee in, in their pajamas, watching church, and they'll never get back in a building. Then there's others who miss that fellowship and that camaraderie and that strength that we like even being able to see you guys or talk to you draws. Yeah. It, it gives me hope. It gives me confidence and strength that you young men have a passion for God because you look at the challenges of me at my age. I'm sorry. I touched my mic. I'm a dying breed. You know, <laughs> I feel like I'm a dying breed and I feel like, you know, I'm not in the, you, you're at the age where from, from 30 to 50, 30 to 55, you know, in that age, you're, you're a sought after commodity in the body of Christ. People want pastors like that. Very few people want pastors my age, but you know, God has blessed well, I me. Want you. <laughs> God, you're kind. Thank you. He has blessed me to be who I am and in the right passionate place in the Holy Spirit and in the word of God. Luke was telling me and Stephen just the other day, we're talking to him about it. pops, man, listen, you, you mean it. what you don't have in the book area of, of, of education, what you don't have in credentials, you have in other areas. And, you know, you have an opportunity. People want what the passion you have. They want the encouragement. They want the joy. Mm-hmm. And uh, so there's still True. room for you. Don't give up. And so, but there's a lot of other pastors my age and older who have just, they're just, I'm not important anymore. Nobody wants to hear me. So for you young men to even consider to have me on your, your podcast is just an honor. Man, no, it's, it's our honor. <laughs> I can tell you that, you know, um, just to, just to go with what you said and uh, to encourage others to follow in your footsteps. Actually, one thing I actually think it's my favorite thing I've seen any of our churches do for online ministry is um, you and 
your wife, uh, Sister Shirley, as people call her, I guess. Uh, just Shirley. I don't know why they keep saying it. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> no, they, um, y'all, y'all do on Wednesday nights, you have an online Wednesday service at your house, at your dinner table. Yes. Which uh, I know it's a, it's different for me having, you know, ate dinner with you there. I'm like, wow, that, that brings me into this closeness that you don't really feel otherwise. But I, I want to believe it's also the same for other people to kind of somehow merge that closeness with the, uh, you know, doing it online so that you're safe and still have that kind of closeness going on. I, I think that's fantastic. I would love to see other people doing stuff similar, not just during this pandemic, but as we go forward. Yes. You know, there's a lot of people who, um, like my grandfather, who can't get out. Their only church is online church. It's always been that way for him. Or not always, you know, for a long time. For a long time. And it's going to continue to be that way after the pandemic for him to be able to have those online ministries where he feels like he's at the dinner table. You know, that's fantastic. I hope people take that with them as we go forward. We will be going forward. And like you said, you know, there's this balance. You know, you have to be safe right now, but you also have to not be scared right. once the opportunity, you know, arises, you know, and for some of us, it's sooner than others. You know, my mom was recovering from cancer and all this stuff for her, took her a little bit longer to be comfortable going to church. And that's fine. And um, for ministers, we're praying for all of you guys as you figure out how to tackle those challenges that he just mentioned there. That's, we appreciate your prayers. We yeah, need them. It's it a, a good challenge. word. Yeah. Right. Uh, do you have any words of encouragement or you know, Bible verses to share with us, uh, us all, so that we can leave this subject on a more positive note today? I really do. I believe that, um, well, it's just what I share with our church Sunday. More than ever before, we need to realize we are ambassadors of the heavenly kingdom. More than ever before, we need to realize our sufficiency is of him. More than ever before, we need to have a hope, a confidence, and an assurance that we're not alone. We're not walking alone through this, and that he who promises he will do it, he is faithful to accomplish that, and he will do it. Never leave us, never forsake us. He'll go with us all the way. And uh, um, stand. Having done all, stand. Man, mm-hmm. stand fast in the Lord and the power of his might. Um, and that's my encouragement. I have made it where I am today because I, I am truly relying upon him, and I'm trusting in him, and I'm leaning on the everlasting arm. I'm not trusting in my abilities. Uh, I'm putting my trust in him. And that's the encouragement I would leave with everyone that's listening today is, uh, you know, pandemic or no pandemic, virus or no virus. Um, he said, the world's going to hate you because they hated me. Mm. He said, don't don't worry, though. Don't you be afraid. I have overcome the world. You're going to be able to overcome the world. So we're going to come through this. We're going to overcome this. But our focus needs to be on him. Lift him up. Amen. Exalt him in your life. Put him first. And he'll draw everything else together. He'll make it work. And it's an awesome, awesome place to be. It's a challenging place. We're living in challenging times. Um, people are confused about truth, absolutes, and, uh-huh. you know, things. But, hey, I'm not confused. Uh, I think the question <laughs> is is what, what Pilate said, what is truth? Hey, it's, it's who is truth? Jesus is. And I think he's got this. And we're going to be okay. Oh, yeah. Amen. Amen. And I appreciate you, young man. And God bless you and your well, families. And thank you. We really appreciate you too. Um, now, now, one thing we, we like to ask everybody at, at the end of the show, we, um, it's, it's for our listeners. We, we like to get them up and going and doing stuff. You know, <laughs> we always like to ask 
if you had to give one just practical thing to those listening, they, they can, after this ends, they can just go do this, whatever it is. And that what they do will help better maintain unity. What one thing would you have them do? Well, it's hard, Josh, because there's a couple things going through my mind. Um, yeah, you can say all of them if you want. <laughs> well, to me, to be honest, the first for me, for me is to take whatever you've got going on in your life into a prayer closet. And you, you, you surrender that to the Lord. If it's a challenge physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, financially, if it's an individual that need, you need reconciling with, before you try to figure anything out, you take it to the Lord. You, you just lay them before the Lord and say, God, give me wisdom, direction to know how to deal with this person. Let me do with your love, your 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 passion, uh, your compassion as well. And then the other thing would be is put some legs on those prayers and do something. You know, just minister to someone. Tell someone your story. Uh, to me, it'd be one of the greatest things you could do right now, and everybody hangs up from this and they stop listening, is you find someone. You say, I want to tell you my story. One of the greatest things that I have, and I, I heard this the other day from a minister, and I love this. He said, of, of all the things of challenges, one of the greatest things that you see in a marathon race, uh, uh, he said, is the passing of the baton. He said, it's where you're reaching reaching back and you're reaching forward. And they said that it's won or lost in the passing of the baton. Are This race we're running, it's won or lost in how we're going to pass this baton. How I'm mm -hmm. passing it to you guys, how you're receiving mm -hmm. it and so forth and so on with my family. And so find someone you can pass the baton to of truth, of love, of the power of Jesus Christ. Pass it on to them and say, as a matter of fact, I'll tell you this, and I don't say this braggadociously <laughs> because I want to see my family, my brothers and sister. I want to see them saved. My baby brother's a Christian. My older sister just went to this month, two years ago to be with the Lord. But I want to see my family saved. And so one year I had this idea years ago when they weren't saved, I wrote a, 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 on a piece of paper and put it in a box at Christmas and gave it to them. And when they opened it, what's this? And they read it. And it says, I want you to know that I love you. And I really don't have a lot to offer you that I think that would benefit you, except I offer you Christ. I give you Jesus. Will you accept the gift of salvation? Mm -hmm. And that's it. That's what I gave him for Christmas. <laughs> and I was told years later, my, my brother still carries it in his wallet. And I'm, I'm believing that the Lord is going to take that and change his heart and change his life. So people, when everything's said and done, people will remember you, not because of who you say you are, what people say you are, but what you've done. And if you've given them hope and you've given them Jesus and you've changed their lives, man, it's worth it all. It's worth it all. Mm. Right. Amen. And what do you think we would see happen in the church if everyone went and did that? Oh, my goodness. My goodness. <laughs> We'd see the church being the church, not just doing church, not just having church. Oh, wow being the church. That's why we're called human mm. beings and not human doings. We are to be, <laughs> you know? <laughs> mm. Good word. Good word. Yeah. All right. So the last thing we like to do on our show before we get into the outro is our God moment segment. Uh, we just take a minute to share something that God has done with us recently, whether it be a, a challenge or a blessing or, you know, a chance to worship. Uh, you know, just somewhere we've seen God in our lives recently. And I always like to make Josh go first, uh, unless I think I can steal his answer. <laughs> then I go oh, first. Man. But nice. yeah. yeah. So, um, 
I mean, I've had a lot of blessings this last week, but what I'm going to share is, is actually a challenge. Um, I had in listening to episodes as we publish them and just kind of listening through things. I, um, the episode we did with sister Sylvia and Reverend Kino recently, I talked about how I did communion with elevation church whenever they did that. And it challenged me. I watched communion. I, I was there and I felt that connection, but I didn't actually take bread or juice or anything with me. You know, I didn't do it with them. And, and I was challenged in that. It's easy for me to be around people and to feel unity. And it's a little bit more difficult to do something with others. And, and it just kind of challenged me that I need to do something with other people, which, you know, it's hard to do right now, but there is ways to do it. And um, I need to work on that. So, uh, yeah. TJ. Mine is uh, of the zoological variety. There, I, We've talked word. about this before on the show, actually. Uh, we talked about the Tasmanian tiger. With okay. uh, Paul, Calco, and yeah, yeah. So recently, if if the, for those who aren't aware, the t- Tasmanian tiger, uh, <laughs> the thylacine, uh, went extinct in 1936, 1937. Yeah, you know, it's just one of those animals that you know humans destroyed, really. And yesterday. There was a group in Tasmania, you know, in Australia, New Guinea. They're like, they're huge about this thing. A ton of people wanted to still be alive, <laughs> so people look for it. And uh, a group of zoologists in Tasmania used, they set up trail cameras and things. And one of them took pictures of an adult male, an adult female, and a juvenile of what he believed to be a Tasmanian tiger family. Oh, uh, wow. But uh, we are currently awaiting the Natural History Museum in Hobart, uh, Australia, to confirm or, you know, hopefully not, but deny whether or not they're actually Tasmanian tigers. But if they are, that would be awesome. That would be so cool. You know, just the the possibility is there that we didn't make drive this animal to extinction. That would be great. Do you have a backup God moment if that's not the case? (laughs) Um, nah, I'm, uh, I'm kidding. You don't have to do that. Hockey. Okay. <laughs> Thankful for hockey. Yeah. Oh, All right, Pep. Uh, did you have something that God did for you this oh. last week, whether challenge, blessing, whatever? Listen, the God moments for me is he woke me up today. <laughs> I mean, he started me on my way. He's blessed me. I got to see my family. Um, to spend time. I've got already, over this past week, I've got to spend some time with my church family. Got to spend time with, uh, Brittany and Luke and the kids and Jessica and Stephen and the kids and my beautiful wife. Uh, God has richly blessed her. She had, had was scheduled. She was scheduled for back surgery. She had uh, some issues going on, had been suffering for three years. Uh, she couldn't hardly move or walk or do anything. And uh, uh, they wanted to schedule for surgery. Went down to the point we've done all kind of doctors, all kind of injections, all kind of stuff. And uh, so... So scheduled everything, ready to go, and probably about three or four days out before the surgery, um, she started feeling better. No pain. No pain. Praise God. We kept believing that God was going to heal her. No pain. No pain. And so down to the very day, she said, Sonny, I just, I I said, honey, you do what you feel like God's calling you to do. She said, I'm going to call him and tell him (laughs) to cancel it. And that's been two and a half, three weeks now. 
and she's been pain free wow. traveling with me. It's well, she says it's been over a month. She's doing awesome. And wow. uh, that is to me one of the greatest God moments is to see and witness a miracle right before your very eyes. And uh, two God's allowing me over the past to just a few months. Uh, I'm work, I've been working on a book for several years now. And uh, mm. I've got it going to the place now. I got to just get it in, in the hands. I've already got in the hands of the editor. It's been proofed. And I've got to get it into the hands of producer or a publisher, pardon me, a publisher. And so I'm looking to have a book out there to encourage people and speak to them. I'm on spiritual hiccups. We all get them. Hmm. Uh, a life of Thomas, eight days of doubt that didn't need to be. So I'm excited hmm. about that. And I have about 13 to 17 other titles. God has been birthing in my spirit for other books. I covet your prayers in that, that God would use me for his glory as I leave a legacy for my children and grandchildren, as well as others following Christ. For sure. And I can't wait till you get that book in my hands. And um, <laughs> hopefully we'll have you back and, and talk about some of those books, oh, too. I hope so. That'd be great. And I don't know if anybody made the connection, but uh, in case our listeners didn't notice, uh, you mentioned Luke and Brittany. Luke has also been on the podcast before. Uh, it's Pastor Luke Kors. If you go back through, you'll see that episode. So. That's uh, that's my other family is all of them, and um, yes. Brother Martin's sort of like the patriarch of that side. <laughs> hey, and so Luke is pastoring uh, in Hopewell, Hopewell uh, Baptist Church up in uh, Holton, Indiana. So check his podcast out or his, his uh, live stream. He's going to give his testimony how God spared him. Uh, just had to undergo a, a surgery, and uh, so it's going to be a good time for mir- He's got miracles. A huge what God, God moment himself. Him. Yeah. It was a great God moment for him. So. Oh yeah, right. yeah. I, I almost had to use that. Um, uh, anyway, so <laughs> sorry, um, man. It has been such an honor to have you on, Pep. We have one more thing we like to do after the episode, just for our patrons. Uh, but before we do, where, where can people find you and your church? You can find us at Somerville Family Worship Center. So it's SomervilleFWC.org, and uh, uh, if you're in town. We're located at 407 North Magnolia Street in Somerville. So just check us out and come out and be with us and share in on the blessings of the Lord. All right. Uh, so some future guests uh, on the podcast. We have return guests, Dr. Keith Sherlin and Pastor Brandon Porre. Or Poor, I'm not sh- sure how he's supposed to say it, being from Landrum and all. <laughs> uh, Ken Hagerman, good friend of ours. And uh, Dr. Trumper Longman III, author of several works, he edited Joshua's favorite commentary series and is a professor, professor I can't speak today, of biblical <laughs> studies at Westmont College. And naturally, at the end of this episode, or, well, that would be great. At the end of this wow. season, <laughs> we will have Francis Chan. Yeah, he mm-hmm. just has no clue, but you know, he, that's okay. Right. <laughs> he can be clueless every now and then. Season one ends when Francis Chan agrees to be on the show. Uh, Thank you all so much for listening, especially if you got to this point. We appreciate your time. We hope you join us next week. Yeah.